0: Hello everybody and welcome to the 313th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that never goes maskless while building decks with ninjas specs. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering Finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Hello everybody, I'm glad to be here. I'm really looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you, and this show, as always, is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG Finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby.
0: MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering, single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week?
1: Well, this week we're going to lead off with uh, segment one, talking about what's been happening online with uh, a couple of sweet modern lists and some patterns that are really prominent in there uh then we're going to move to segment two our top movers in paper and our top movers online segment three has you and i discussing some cards we'd like to watch including a uh, really spicy pick from our discord pro traders and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh tcg's new um grading guide and what's new and what isn't so new
0: all right so firing Things up here on the metagame week and review side of things over on Magic Online. We have the Modern Challenge from Saturday, February 26th. Kicking things off with Grixis Shadow in first, Amulet Titan in second, Titan running two Cultivator Colossus, two Baseju, four Dryad of the Elysian Grove, etc. these days. And then easily the most exciting deck of the week out of these two tournaments is this absolutely insane uh third place list that i'm calling black white stoneforge blink all sorts of cards making their debut in modern here blade of the oni which is a very sexy foil etched version if you haven't seen one in person two blade splicer splicer two charming prince four grief four solitude one lion sash one shriek ma four stoneforge mystic three agadim's awakening one emiria's call three persist 4 Ephemerate, 3 Malachir Rebirth, 3 Undying Evil, 4 Batterskull, 1 Caudra Complete, 1 Maul of the skyclaves, 1 Sword of Fire and Ice, and 4 Touch of the Spirit Realm, an enchantment for 3 out of Neon Dynasty. When Touch of the Spirit... Touch, sorry, it's Touch the Spirit Realm, not Touch of the Spirit Realm. When Touch the Spirit... When Touch the Spirit Realm enters the battlefield, exile up to one target artifact or creature until Touch the Spirit Realm leaves the battlefield. Channel one white, discard it, exile target artifact or creature, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So it's basically, you're channeling this for its blink effect alongside your four ephemerate. So you're you're doing that to blink your blade splicers to get extra 3-3 uh, three, three golems. You're blinking Charming prints to either scry 2, gain 3 life, Or blink something else. Um, You can blink primarily, I suppose, Stormforge Mystic and Solitude and Grief are your best blinks.
1: Right. And you're blinking them for, you know, one to two mana. You've got, uh, what, ten ways at one mana plus four ways at two mana. So you're, you're doing a lot of blinking. And how has nobody thought of, like, blinking with... Malakir Rebirth and Undying Evil. We've had a billion of these tricks where you spend one mana and you get the the creature back. Now you get like even more value.
0: I feel like we saw some of this in early lists a couple weeks after Modern Horizon 2 testing kicked off. Uh, Touch of the Spirit Realm gives them additional ephemerate action. Um, Persist, of course, from MH2 gave us a way to bring creatures back from the graveyard. Um effectively this is a pretty cool list um very different than almost anything i've seen in the last i don't know six months of modern top eights
1: it's also got the uh funsies one of uh, new aganjo and new takanuma so that you can you know get some extra value out of your lands this is playing 16 lands 16 like regular lands uh two of them have a channel effect and then you've got um, four Mythic Double-Faced lands, and then the three Malakir Rebirth. So you're really like, you want to get to two mana and just go to town. It's crazy.
0: You, ha- you have to assume that there was some surprise factor in this tournament for this deck where people were playing against it and just had no idea what they were playing against.
1: And you might be wondering, like, my thought for the, the Touch the Spirit Realm is uh, channel requires countering an ability. You can't counter the spell. Like, you can't just counterspell yeah. the channel ability. So, if you're playing against a heavy control opponent, they're like, that's cool. I'm going to counterspell every one of your flickers. You're like, ha ha, screw you. Yeah. That that probably felt so good. Oh. oh, it's it's unfair how good that sort of
0: thing feels. I mean, Shriek ma Top 8 Modern. <laughs> mean How? what is what is what is this like 1998 something like that oh man is, Sh- so is shriekma good. that old what's the original printing of shriekma lorwin okay so it's not that old what, what is this 2005 whatever, I think whatever Lorwyn,
1: year. yeah somewhere in there
0: lorwin release date says says james to google and google spits out 2007 so what is this 2007 close enough moving on shardless footfalls in fourth four color omnath in fifth death shadow again in sixth blue red murktide in seventh and four color omnath in eighth that version of omnath had two march of otherworldly light and two baseju as uh, neon dynasty cards making uh additional progress in the format now over in the super qualifier which was the bigger tournament of the two uh or the the higher profile tournament on the sunday Guest shadow was first second third fourth with stock lists leaning heavily on Luris, of course and then red prowess with Luris was in fifth so you had Luris decks one two three four five <laughs> now if we were seeing this all the time then i would fully understand the arguments that lurus needs to be banned personally i'm just shy of making the call on that like i think the the card does have a warping effect on the format in terms of deck building. There's a lot of other ways you might explore building decks if you weren't relying on the free recursion spell that you get out of your sideboard. But other than this super qualifier tournament, most of the time it's more like what we saw on the Saturday where, yeah, there was two Luris decks in the top eight and they finished first and sixth, but there's been plenty of other weeks where that was not the case. Like last week, the... Uh, it was a Luris deck in the form of Blue-White Hammer Time in first, and then New-Jund in first on the other day, also a Lurus deck. <laughs> Not really making my point very well, am I? Uh, and But the week before that was Amulet Titan, and then, uh, yes, I guess, Lurus, Grixis Shadow. So, is Lurus around? Is it ever-present? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, does the format seem bad? No, doesn't. We see Death Shadow doing this well over and over again. I got to start wondering why Death Shadow foils aren't moving. Last I checked, they were they were stalled out. Let me see if this weekend did anything to change that. This uh, card has been printed 3 times, World Wake, Modern Masters 2017 and Double Masters. Looks like regular copies are still under 10 and the foils from Double Masters are finally draining out.
1: I was gonna say double masters, like it's taken a while for some of those cards to, like, get sucked up, so that that's not a
0: huge shock. I mean, I don't call I I don't think it's been a while. I think people thought it was going to be a while, but double masters came out uh, late summer of 2020. We're only a year and a half later, and there's been tons of stuff that has taken off since then. I made money this week on all sorts of double masters cards, from Godo Bandit Warlord to Stoneforge Mystic to Doubling Season. Um, over and over attracts a uh, uh calia Avison, lots of stuff um but the double th- double the death shadow foils we are down to 10 listings no major walls so those are probably going to hit 20 plus shortly and provide an exit for folks that opened those incidentally in double masters boxes or vip packs yeah
1: um you know, it seems like it should be a fairly balanced thing, especially with the change to how companions work, where you got to pay three mana to put in your hand, and then three mana to put into play, and then you can recast your first thing. Now, granted, by then you've got your, you know, you've got a fourth mana, so you can play Lurus and immediately get your Death Shadow back or whatever. Um, no, I don't think it's a huge problem. It forces some really constrictive... Uh, you know deck building problems on you but the fact is like modern is has become like an incredibly mana efficient format and these decks are low to the ground and terrifying i mean i, I do love that both that a lot of them are running uh, some version of death i'm um, sorry not Death Shadow dress down which is just such a such a backbreaker when you land it against the right deck
0: i would definitely argue that this the grixis shadow deck is just a good pile of cards yeah yeah lurus put it puts it over the top but i i think this deck probably still exists without lurus um it will win less than finishing force to four first to fourth uh without Luris, but it's not really leaning on the recursion all that hard they they have death shadow dragon's rage channeler croxa and ragavan these are just extremely efficient threats they have Expressive Iteration for card selection and Inquisition of Kozilek and Thotsis for supreme uh, card denial. They have Drown in the Lock, Fatal Push, Koligan's Command, and Unholy Heat, as well as Dress Down as control elements. And Koligan's Command is especially backbreaking in the current format, where that could like kill a Ragavan and kill an Esper Sentinel, or kill a Hammer and kill a Sentinel, or whatever. I mean, that Koligan's Command is very, very good in the format right now. So... Yeah, Lurus is, is a pretty, is like borderline busted magic card. Well, it's a busted magic card that's borderline bannable. Do I think that's going to happen? I'm probably going to hedge my bets by trying to sell any any copies I have left, that's for sure. Um, since, you know, I might have like a foil extended art Japanese Lurus that I need to unload. But once I'm clear of that, little shakeups to modern are probably good for the format every once in a while anyway.
1: Uh, One thing that uh, people talked about uh, a lot and isn't in this top 8, and it's not really a huge part of the top 32 in this particular event, is uh, Urza Saga. So just, you know, for those that were really worried about this particular card, again, it's good, but it's not like, you know, omnipresent, oh my god, the format is warped beyond recognition good at this point.
0: It's a step below ragavan and and lurus it's close but it's it's like a half point back
1: i mean says that says more about ragavan honestly
0: i mean it's in hammer time it's still a very big deal there wasn't a hammer time in the top eight this week but there usually is uh it won last week and they they run multiple sagas um and i think new jund that won the other challenge last week also runs multiple sagas so it's it's you know one Still week doesn't, very good yeah one week doesn't define the format the rest of this top eight on the sunday was red prowess again a lurus deck as i said amulet titan um i do wonder if you ban Luris and weaken all the aggro decks whether decks like titan and living end just get a step too good um we'll see black green yawgmoth in seventh creativity combo in eighth finishing things off
1: i do love those indominal creativity decks
0: they they, seem, they they seemed very fringe the first time they were spotted, but they have proven themselves. So, moving right along to top paper movers of the week. We'll kick things off. Pretty much everything going on here is all about the four commanders that everybody's building right now. Hero of Bladehold, out of Meriden Besiege, going from 16 to 23, that's 44% gains on the back of Isshin. Uh, I have played against Isshin multiple times in the last two weeks. It is an extremely powerful commander pretty much every game where we faced it the table has had to go three on one against the deck and clear that player off the table. They rarely win because of that because their their aggression is just so naked. So if you're the kind of player who cares about winning I wouldn't recommend Ishin, because unless you tune it to CDh levels you're gonna have trouble getting the table to ignore you <laughs> and and you, and, you, and you better you better make sure you kill everybody on the same turn when their pants are down because otherwise they're gonna kill you on the next turn.
1: I can agree with that, but like, I don't have any beef with if you if you bring a deck and you're gonna attack me to death with ridiculous double triggers. I mean, sure, we're gonna have a forty-five minute game instead of a two-hour slugfest of a game, but that you know, there's you know, there's room for aggro, there's room for control, there's room for combo in commander. I love it.
0: Sanctum Weaver at a Modern Horizons two going from three to four fifty on the back of Goshintai plus Sithis being popular commanders lately. Uh, both of them in the top 10 on EDH Rec. Eidoline of Blossoms is in the same boat uh, out of Commander 2018, $2 to $3, 50% gains there. Same decks driving it. The Hidetsuku Devouring Chaos Neon Red, which is the most expensive uh, of the chase Hidetsugus available in the collector boosters for Neon Dynasty, has been exchanging hands in an extremely uh impressive price point i picked one up locally here in toronto at 850 us on saturday and by sunday night i had sold it to japan for 1600 so copies were going a couple days earlier closer to a thousand to 1200 and then very quickly started up the curve and i think tcg player was only had copies above 2000 for a few days i don't know what the the lowest price copy is today um but I suspect those neon reds are are going to dry up pretty quickly, given that collector booster boxes are all but sold out. Um, the price point has already moved up on them from close to you know 200 to 220, depending on who you were buying them from, to closer to 240. And I actually think that these collector booster boxes are going to be 300 plus in the future. Um, I think this is going to be the kind of set where people it has so many chase cards in those collector booster boxes that especially the Japanese ones, could be future four or $500 products.
1: Do you remember uh, from my math article the drop rate of the Hidatsugu in red?
0: It's like 3,000 packs or something, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's not quite that high. It's, uh, according to my math, it was supposed to be about every 1,800 Commander Packs. Commander Booster Pack. Uh, collector Booster. Why don't I
0: keep wanting to say Commander Booster? I don't know. Right, so 1,800 packs... Twelve packs per box. You're talking about 150 boxes times 240. So you're talking about thirty-six thousand dollars worth of product. You have to open to get one of these red ones. Yeah. And 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 yet when I when I posted the tweet about flipping it quickly, it was my most trafficked tweet of the year thus far, with hundreds of views and responses and and whatever. And at least ten to fifteen salty individuals. All came at me with the same kind of comments about how the card is trash and it's going to like drop to nothing next week, or they wanted to talk about how the the base version of the card is a dollar. <laughs> like,
1: you guys, I imagine you get a lot of that online with just about everything you post.
0: I see a lot. I-, I would say that the average commentary on say a Facebook sales thread, Ugh. has been in it's stuck in this kind of like matrix glitch for the better part of a decade, where such and such an individual who is aware of the value of the item that they have in their possession because they own it, so they researched it, posts it for sale. Um, And then 40 people dogpile them and tell them they're an idiot and it's not worth that or they're a ripoff artist and they should be banned from the group. And then four or five more informed individuals have to step in and say, no, this is why that version of the card is not the version you think it is. This is why it's worth money. This is how rare slash desirable it is. And then they go, yeah, whatever, man. It's trash.
1: Oh, that was a good voice. I like that. I haven't heard that voice from you before. That's scary. Um, you for, you're forgetting the 350 comments, too.
0: I mean, this whole thing with Japan valuing set and draft booster versions of chase cards higher um, and Japanese cards higher than English cards that's been going on for the better part of a year, year and a half it just still has not doesn't have enough publicity in the North American magic market, you know, with the the players in the Midwest, et cetera, to have solidified in their minds that there is in fact a difference that matters. And so I see like draft set versions of things getting posted on social media regularly and then being disputed. It's just extremely tiresome for everybody involved. I just want to
1: give people a, a piece of perspective real quick. Um, in terms of 1800 uh collector booster packs to hit this red uh hitetsugu uh that is roughly four and a half times more rare than ea uh foil jeweled lotus out of the commander legends collector which, boosters
0: which was an $800 to $1000 card in its own right
1: right so we're talking crazy rare and so and don't don't freak new, out
0: about it it's a new level of rarity and, yeah. and, and that's why that flip w- was possible. The people that sold it to me w- wasn't some like 10 year old that I, I rooked at the back of the card store in the alley. It was a vendor in the city who was had a huge smile on their face as I handed over $850 <laughs> from my PayPal account to theirs. They, they thought they were getting one over on me for sure. And I walked out of there thinking, you know what? I'm going to double that <laughs> and it's not going to take very long and it didn't and the key there was throw that stuff up on ebay and just open the gates for international shipping you know just say you'll ship to france germany the uk australia japan canada the u.s and you'll find a buyer so the the, the other thing that's going that's interesting here is a lot of people said oh like you know people that were a little smarter said imagine what's gonna happen when the card in question is actually super desirable like when, yeah. they, when, when they don't put it on a good card because people say this card's trash this card is not trash it's extremely playable in Commander um like have people actually read the card <laughs> it it does a lot of things simultaneously I
1: mean you can see to it on site and
0: limited so you know it it, it scries and deals damage. And what is the other thing it does?
1: Uh, It will uh, let you cast the card that you exile. So you get to get ahead on cards and get damage and just, you know, chain all the goodness together.
0: It's at least as good as Draugr Necromancer, you know, as a four drop. And that's a plenty good card that Jason's always talking about putting in his decks. And I agree that it is probably underplayed even at its current level. And people are right. Like if if this was, say, a -a Ragavan... And there was a version that was this rare.
1: <laughs> do you yep. think that's a conscious choice on Wizards' behalf? I do. Like, I, I like do, yeah. you can't you can't make the really good. You can't have a super mega chase version of the already really good card. Like, if we had this, you know, one in eighteen hundred collector booster version of Ragavan, you know, you're you're talking, you know, some modern players like I have to have the set, and I'll spend ten thousand dollars on the set.
0: No, I think it, I, I. mean, I don't think that's true. Like, there might be a, a super whale that would do that to their modern deck. But keep in mind that guy is tabling twenty grand. Like a spilled Pepsi is going to be, and <laughs> is, is going to be an insurance event. So I, people need to start to pivot their understanding to include the collector part faction in our hobby, because people, people 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 over focus on whether the card is playable. And that's interesting because in, say, Pokemon, the opposite is true. The, the cards that are worth money are just the beloved characters. It has nothing to do with whether they're good cards to play in competitive decks. Like, nothing. Um, the cards that are good are, are, are not worth more money the way they are in our hobby. But people got used to this kind of, like, standard mindset and standard plus modern mindset that went on for a decade where they assumed that the only things that could be worth money would be the... Other than you know the old stuff like the vintage stuff, would be whatever was hot at the time. So they they can wrap their heads around a hundred dollar Ragavan, but they have a lot of trouble with a two thousand dollar Borderless Kaito or the Wandering Emperor or Hidetsugu. But that's because a lot of that demand is being driven from Japan, who like one hundred and fifty percent embraces the collector mentality, and it doesn't hurt that card games don't take up a lot of space in your house you know like it's a collectible that is the size of a refrigerator is going to have a lot more trouble in japan than a collectible that fits in your wallet because real estate is expensive and people's places are small and collectors often have to make very specific choices about what they want to put on display in their homes but like magic cards are little pieces of art now and especially when they're going out of their way to get important anime artists involved, this is going to continue to happen. And I'd be very surprised if we don't see a chase on this level when we get to New Capenna, because it feels like if they tried it once, they probably they probably put it on the slate to try multiple times this year.
1: Yep, that seems like a given. You know that we they haven't found a point at which we'll stop buying secret layers. They've cranked it up by ten dollars, and they're just going to keep. Uh, turning the screws until we stop giving them money, and I don't know where that number is.
0: Well, I mean, you, you mean for the the licensed products being $10 more, like Street Fighter?
1: Yeah. Well, no, yeah. even uh, not just the Street Fighter. The uh, Chibi Planeswalkers are $10 more. Are they foil only, though? Uh, Hold on. Let me look if they are foil only. Uh, let's see. The Chibi
0: Planeswalkers... No little no no the the little walkers are normal price. They're
1: forty dollars. Yeah. My bad.
0: I don't know why I thought they were fifty. It's it's usually just the licensed products like, um, Street, like Fighter Street Fighter, Street Fighter, The Walking Dead, and uh, Stranger Things. But they, you also get more cards in those. Like the average secret layer true. is five cards plus a bonus. This one is uh, eight cards plus a bonus. So in theory, that justifies the price difference. Um, in theory. <laughs> but you you're still not wrong because they did cough up a hundred dollar commander deck.
1: Yeah, not not so long. We're ago. gonna get more of that.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, in fact, I'm surprised we didn't get it in this super drop. But I guess maybe it'll be the kind of thing they do once or twice a year. Uh, until, um, till it stops. Anyway, bottom line: chase cards, including the neon reds, doing very well. And actually, the neon the neon yellows that come from uh, LGSs. If you had asked me what I thought the price point on those was going to be ahead of time. I would have guessed 50 to 100. Like I thought there would be enough of them around to get to that price point, but they're holding pretty steady around 400. So
1: Wasn't there like 10 per Premier, well there's only like a few hundred Premier stores, right?
0: Yeah, like if you if you if you speak the sentence as 10 per store, it seems like the price is wrong. But if you go to 10 per Premier store, then things start to come into focus because there aren't there's less than somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 premier stores in the world. Right. So then you're talking about less than 10,000 copies of the of the yellow version. So and people if,
1: need their, you know, you need to get one of each.
0: And I think the calculation on the neon reds is that there's something like 1,500 of them in the world or something. So, you know, the the multiplier on the reds is actually not that crazy at all compared to the yellows given their relative rarity. All right, so moving right along here. Intruder Alarm out of 8th edition non-foils going from 10 to 20, doubling up on the back of Shorakai, because Shorakai taps, does some stuff, and makes a pilot. The pilot comes into play under an tr- Intruder Alarm and untaps your other creatures, which untaps Shorakai uh, and lets you tap it again. Very nice. Um,
1: uh, it, it raised the other versions uh, too, like even the mystery retail foils which generally are priced really low those have come up too so check what you might have left over from your mystery booster experiences
0: it's like an auto include in that deck because it seems like that yeah you can draw cards and make pilots equal to the number of mana you have if you have the two in play that should be game winning
1: and you're also you know drawing 30 cards or whatever amount you get to
0: yep uh meltdown continues its upward surge on the back of legacy play if i recall correctly 12 to 24 for a basically a double up this week i think that's retracing and resurging if i recall correctly versus earlier reports on the card then we've got sanctum of fruitful harvest out of m21 foils of that i think it's an uncommon going four yes. to ten dollars uh, again on the back of goshin Tai specifically um probably a little less of the sithis on that one and then uh consulate dreadnought out of uh either revolt one to two fifty even a non-foil um on the back of modern decks and edh vehicle builds
1: that's a common go go hit up your boxes
0: i know for sure i've thrown a bunch of those out in russian i would imagine uh (laughs) what's next on the list here uh next up
1: we have Open the vaults the foils out of double masters have gone from about four to ten because bringing back all of your enchantments is good in a Goshen Tide deck. Who knew? Uh, we have, after that, Unwinding Clock from Commander uh, 2018 has gone from 10 to around 30. Uh, again, tapping two That This is tap two artifacts to untap an artifact, right?
0: No, I think it's untap all your artifacts at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep or something.
1: Yeah, for, so for... Uh, each opponent's untap. You untap all of your artifacts. So you're getting that uh, lovely Seaborn Muse uh, broken. I'm taking five turns. I'm taking four turns. Everybody else is taking one. So you get to do all those broken things.
0: I have Russian unwinding clocks sitting around. So I'm gonna have to get those posted.
1: I mean, they're money in the bank
0: shorakai genesis engine extended art itself from the only found in the neon dynasty collector Booster, is going from three to nine i think people that clocked that this was one of the more popular commanders were very wise to get in on these uh at their lows on opening weekend um because we, we've seen that very popular commanders like pros uh prosper tomebound, bound for instance in extended art can get up into the 20s and these may well still be a buy at nine like they could go nine to 20 pretty easily um, given that Collector Booster prices are going up, up, up. Uh, Reality Spasm out of uh, Rise of the Eldrazi is just another X spell to fool around with in Hanada, so it went from 1 to 3 in non-foil for 200% gains. Strionic Resonator foils, uh, that's from... It's not Vow, it's from... Like M20, I think? That sounds about right. Uh, going from $13 to $40, dollars, 207 or so percent gains. Uh, i'm super
1: wrong that was magic 2014 and then reprinted in 2014 yeah and then oh and
0: m25 file foils are the ones we're talking about here i think
1: okay and then we have uh commander version two
0: yeah and that's on the back of ishin because of course ishin has the double attack triggers thing going on strianic resonator lets you double a trigger so get And I have noticed in playing against that deck that when they can get to three attack steps per turn instead of two, they have a much better chance of actually winning the game instead of just angering the table and getting smoked on the next turn. (laughs) Uh, Hollowed Haunting out of Vow. This is a very interesting one to be moving like this in non-foil from nine to 28. Um, A, it it says that there was EV to be shared available in Vow. uh, And B... Between Goshintai and Sithis, you have enough enchantment commander action to justify it. But if you were opening boxes of vow set boosters of vow or collector boosters of vow, you probably have a handful of Hallowed Haunting sitting around that you didn't even think you were going to have a chance to sell anytime soon. Probably when you open them, they were probably four dollars, five dollars. Now they're almost thirty, so you're going to want to go ahead and get those posted for sale uh, while the clock is ticking.
1: Uh, it's worth noting that this is also in um, Double Feature, and the price isn't too bad on the Double Feature version right now either, but you have to want that black and white frame real bad, because it washes out everything.
0: What are the non-foil versions of Hollowed ha- Haunting going for from Double Feature? Let me see.
1: I'm bringing that up right now.
0: bet you they're pretty close, actually.
1: Uh, right now you can get uh, non-foils for... Oh, it's thirty-five. Yeah, Sorry, there you go. <laughs> I don't know why they were telling me a different number on Scryfall.
0: So, finally, we have Krenko, Tin Street, Kingpin out of War of the Spark. Foil's going from 4 to 15. If you were cracking War of the Spark, looking for uh, monos at some point, you probably have some Krenkos and some Foil Krenkos sitting around. Might even have them in Japanese. And Ishin likes this card, too, because this this makes a bunch of tokens equal to its power. And so, if you are running some equipment or whatever to make Ishin bigger... You might slap it on Cranko, attack for four, make four goblins, but you get the trigger twice. You make eight goblins, and then on the and then you're gonna use Relentless Assault to double your attack step. And on the next attack step, uh, if it's one of the effects that allows everything to have, if you've got anger in your graveyard or something, and everything's got haste, then you might be able to attack with all those tokens. So Cranko makes a lot of sense in that deck, and also a good time to be listing that card for sale.
1: It is good stuff all around.
0: So, that is the paper world. Also, double feature foils continue to go ape shit, but nothing new there. Um, over on Magic Online, top three movers of the week. March of Otherworldly Light, out of Neon Dynasty, going from 10 to almost 15 ticks on the back of a combination of Standard, Pioneer, and Modern play. Uh, especially in Standard and Pioneer, it's a very powerful removal spell. Modern's a little bit more of a split between that, Path to Exile, Prismatic Ending, etc., Ugin the Spirit Dragon, uh, weird to see that this is being driven by standard. I didn't realize that uh, M21 was still legal, but I guess you're. it doesn't rotate out until they get to the Commander set? Or, no, it doesn't... Ro-
1: no, it won't rotate until um, September. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that now is a good time to remind you about all the cool stuff in Customer Rewards Program. The more you buy with our 5% coupon, Finance with the number 5 the more you're going to the closer you get to even higher rewards, including up to 15% off magic singles and assorted minis. Make sure you head over to CoolStuffInc.com today to build your loyalty and save big
0: to clarify this in real, in real terms for people that just hear marketing speak and tune out this. (laughs) Once you get to a certain amount spend spent at cool stuff and it's like multi thousands, but if you're a free, you know, if you're a heavy hobbyist, it's not going to take you that long to get there. Um, you get this 15% discount off singles and miniatures and other stuff forever. And so if they have a sale on something, you often get to compound and your cart might be 20, 25, 30% off regular pricing. And their pricing tends to be competitive, not quite as good as the lowest price on TCG, but if you're getting all those discounts on top, you can sometimes beat TCG pricing, which is very handy. Um, All right, so moving right along. Cards to watch. My first selection here is a card that I first bought on TCG player at, the nice price of $69 during pre-order season, and people didn't seem too confident at the time that I was making the right choice, but as of today, the card is buy listing over in Japan, even in the English borderless foil version, at 18,000 yen, which is about $160, $165, depending on which exchange calculator you're using. So there is instant arbitrage available here if you move fast and if the buy buy list doesn't shift in the interim. A reminder that we do have a Japanese buy list program with the ProTrader program, so that opportunity exists at least within ProTrader, and certainly you can do it on your own as well if you go ahead and find a friend on the ground in Japan that can drop the stuff off for you. So, Kaito Shizuki borderless foils with the art by the artist from Fist of the North Star, down to 20 listings on TCG Player. I've seen them... Again, as low as sixty-nine, then they got up to about one twenty, one forty, then they retraced back in the other direction for a little bit, and now they seem relatively stable around hundred dollars. It's just it's obvious arbitrage, right? Like whether or not you get them to Japan in the next three weeks and get your early opportunity, if you end up getting forced to hold these for three or six months, I guarantee you that buy list is gonna come back. Um, again, collector booster boxes are largely sold out. There isn't a second wave of them, or at least there has never been to date. If they do it for Neon Dynasty, it will be a first. Um, And I don't have any information to indicate that's happening. So the card is very popular. There's a Japanese out. Whether the North American price will continue to collapse in on itself towards 60 to 70, I think that could happen. So if you want to play chicken on this card and wait for even cheaper copies... Go for it, but in the mid, in the interim, the buy list in Japan might collapse, and you, you might miss your out. Now, if you know that you're just buying it for yourself, you know you're gonna you, you want it in your own collection in North America, then yeah, you could play chicken for a little bit and see what happens. But when there's only 20 listings, there's a decent chance that it kicks upward, because for instance, if you look at the Wandering Emperor Showcase Foil Etched, the lowest TCG Direct posted price is 280. And the lowest price period is 193 so very high and then the wandering emperor showcase foils non- etched is at about 128 with 11 listings and they ramp very quickly to 200 so I I bought bit off some more of these kaitos over the weekend uh, and I could see myself grabbing maybe three or four more before I'm done with the week a, because we have access to, to Japan, and B, because I just believe that this card has a solid future.
1: It, it's hard to argue with any of that. You're getting it at a price that's that's backed up pretty strongly. You know, it's really easy for... Um, one of the things that the the pro trader Discord really offers is a chance to uh, network and gain something like access to uh, a Japanese buy list that isn't really easy to get to as an individual without these level of connections. So... This is a, a, a really easy play to make, so I got nothing to add except uh, I'm jealous and uh, I wish I had bought some of these. When, but I wasn't been paying attention this week.
0: The other thing to keep in mind is that you don't necessarily have to buy lists in Japan. You can, if, you know, if you've got a friend in the community over there, or you you introduce yourself to somebody on the Japanese Facebook group the outside of Pro Trader, you might just be able to arrange a private sale because the English foil. Uh, English foil collector booster sourced copies are sold out on Haruya right now at 40,000 yen, which is closer to $360. So if you're buying at 100 and you're, you could even negotiate a price locally in Japan in between 250 and 300 and you're still going to look like a deal, and you're still doubling or tripling, minus expenses of shipping, etc., but you're still going to double in that case looks good to me
1: it really does uh this is a a very easy like simple straightforward uh great thing to do so uh way to pick this out for people to gain that value
0: all right so talk to me about your first selection
1: uh my first pick this week is uh in line with things that are amazing in ish index a friend of mine was playing one the other day and he dropped grave titan on the table and i just threw up to like see this happen and it had haste which just made things that much more irritatingly <laughs> great so like out of right, nowhere right. Like, so 30 was, fucking tokens so, all over the place
0: yeah 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 so it was like it's a 6 6 death touch he gets two 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 zombies immediately then he attacks with it cuz it's got haste and gets another and- Two tutu zombies, and then I'm assuming there was a second attack phase, and you got another tutu zombies. It,
1: uh, I don't even remember, it's just all just a haze. We're all drowned in tokens at that point. So, um, anyway, uh, Grave Titan, you've got a couple of sweet choices. I'm going with the um, Duels of the Planeswalkers promo, which is from 2012. There's only like uh, a, a handful of listings left on TCG, and it ramps up pretty quick. From 22, uh, I'm picking it to go to about 40 for nearly a double up. But your secret layer versions in the Kaldheim showcase style, uh, those are in the 17 to 18 range right now. But the problem is there's a whole lot of them as people are, you know, trying to sell off their secret layers for value. So uh, I'm going with this one, uh, but I like the other arts as opposed to the original, you know, two or three zombies crawling out of the chest. I like this promo with the giant scythe of death and the zombies crawling out. But uh you know it's already in 24,000 commander decks. It doesn't need any help and it is still the poster child for why isn't this a zombie? So Can you believe that it has never been upgraded to be a zombie?
0: Yeah, it's a giant.
1: It's only a giant. It literally has zombies crawling out of its chest, but it is not a zombie. Oh my god, it just makes me so mad every time I talk about it, because it's both the best and the worst card in my zombie commander deck.
0: I don't know if I like the promo better or the secret layer better. I think I like the secret layer overall, because even though you said that there's a lot of these left, there really isn't. There's 21 listings, and the only major walls is one vendor at $23 with 17 copies, and another vendor with 31 copies at $30, and everybody else is onesie, twosie, threesie. So either way, given the overall popularity of the card and the boost it's going to get from Isshin, I think this is very solid.
1: Yeah, I, I just... People haven't uh, necessarily put this into their Ishin deck yet, and they really ought to. I think, you know, all the Titans would be an excellent choice. You know, Sun Titan is, like, the number one card for Ishin, but uh, Grave Titan getting you a swarm of things is, uh, is pretty sweet plus it's already got the chops like i said
0: my first sele- second selection this week is also an issue card i'm going to go with winota joiner of forces extended arts the foils are already basically sold out close to 50 or 60 headed for 100 i would imagine uh it gets support from both standard and pioneer at present and pioneer has a longer term uh support curve since it will rotate out of standard uh, this summer i believe but between Isshin and the fact that it was already is played as a commander itself and shows up in other red white decks, uh, like I have Winota in my in my feather deck, for instance. Uh, Winota extended arts are down to eighteen listings. There are no major walls. You can pick them up around ten or eleven dollars, and I would imagine that within a year they are going to be twenty dollars.
1: I can't argue with this. We know that uh, Winona's good. Winona's got combos as they print, humans and non-humans for winona to play with it's just winota good winota excuse what did i say winona winota excuse me so yeah um it's just super solid uh, how many commander decks are playing her is she just the uh commander usually or is she in the 99 sometimes in
0: the 99 between commander and 99 it's like five thousand or something like that
1: yeah so you know as every creature that comes out that's either a human or a non-human which is basically everything now you get to choose, is this good for my Winota uh, combo build? And we may not have the uh, instant win level of dropping um, whatever one that doubles the damage, the pirate guy. Or we don't do broken things like put Agent of Treachery into play in Standard anymore. <laughs> there's there's always going to be cool combos with this. So uh, I think this is a, a slam dunk of a pick, too. I like the price. You know, we know that the foils are crazy, and you know party on.
0: All right, and your next selection?
1: My other pick this week is uh, there with Shurikai. Uh, this is Sai, the Master Thopterist. Uh, the foils from M19 you can get for around $13. Uh, this is due to crank pretty high if you look at the ramp, because there's only a, a handful of foils available because it's been printed in uh it was in the neon dynasty commander deck but we haven't gotten a foil reprint since the original uh core 19 and so we're looking at at the near mint foils we're looking at you know just a two pages worth of results and nobody with more than four so we're going to go from probably uh 20 I'm sorry we're right now at 13 and I'm picking 30 because if you've never seen this card do dumb things, it just puts a ridiculous amount of artifacts out there. It's played in uh, 15,000 decks already online, and it just combos with everything that enchantments, I'm sorry, artifacts want to do.
0: Yeah, the thing is that this, yes, this was printed in the Shurikai, uh or the uh, Katori deck. So there is a question as to how many people are going to be foiling that deck or related decks. But it's also in a whole bunch of decks. Like you'll find it in Urza, Lord High Artificer. You'll find it in a variety of partnered decks. You'll see it in Emery and Sahili, the Gifted. It's going to be in Shorakai. It's in Brea and so on and so forth. And so the fact that it's only ever had a single foil version means that as long as it dodges a foil reprint, which seems entirely likely, at least for the foreseeable future, given that they just gave us the card. um, Yeah, this will probably get there. I don't know if it goes 13 to 30 like you posted here. I, I could believe 13 to 20 to 25 a little easier.
1: Sure. Uh, we can change it for te- 13 to 23. Let's change it in the spreadsheet and call it a day. What was your other pick this week?
0: I'm looking at Adeline Resplendent Cathar. Also an uh, important Ishin card uh, because it generates a whole bunch of tokens on the attack that can be used in subsequent attacks not unlike what can happen with Winota or uh, uh, Krenko. You, you want to be like getting the most out of hasty attackers that are going wide uh, a lot of the time with the deck. And Adeline is an, in an interesting situation. Um, it shows up sometimes in Humans and Modern, but it's mostly about EDH play, where it's already in, I think, nine or 10,000 decks, something like that. And I don't like the showcase art. I think it's actually quite bad um, from the original Midnight Hunt printing. And the double feature foils are already down to four copies that are between 50 and $60. So if you feel confident that you're going to find homes for Adeline for, you know, some period of time in the future, I think you're probably fine to snap off one of those $50 copies, since it doesn't seem like double feature foils uh, are are going to ever flood the market. I mean, it's not possible. Um, I, I've stayed out of it on the basis that they might uh, end up having more supply than is uh, currently being presented. But I think the, the easiest pick here is actually just to go with pack foils. You can get pack foils of Adeline from Midnight Hunt at uh, $5 currently. There's 27 listings left. Nobody has a big wall. Uh, to be scared of, and I think for these to go 5 to 15 between Ishin play and just being generally good in commander and seeing a smattering of modern play is probably a pretty safe bet.
1: I, I'm with you. Um, Adeline, like, we, you and I have talked before about double feature foils. I think uh, if you want to get them, you're good to go, and you should grab them without, uh, without any fear. But I would, you know, respect if you wanted to stay away, but Adeline is just uh, amazing and is getting adopted pretty quickly. So, this is a, a solid pick, too.
0: All right, so we've got a pro trader selection of the week. John Smith88 has submitted Sanctum Weaver Foil Extended Arts from Modern Horizons 2. It's in 14,000 EDH Rec decks already just from last summer. Uh, it is a major component in decks like Sithis and Goshintai, both enchantment-focused decks because it's a 0-2 that taps for X mana of any one color, where X is the number of enchantments you control, so you're playing a deck that's going to have 3, 5, 7, 9, 10, etc. enchantments in play at any given time, so this is going to be a Birds of Paradise on steroids, and we are already down to, let's see, 22 listings on TCG Player uh john says he was picking he picked up 50 or 60 copies around seven or eight dollars nice. you're currently looking at more like 10 or 11 dollars on tcg player after all that action but over in europe on card market if you have access um you know you could have a partner through pro trader or maybe you're doing your own thing you can still pick them up for seven or eight dollars and i think those are excellent buys because i suspect that this is a future you know he's we're gonna call it twenty dollars in a year Uh, He says $20 in six months, so uh, I think that's probably pretty safe.
1: I would agree. This is a stellar pick, and it's uh, another example of being aware of what your options are and gaining that value.
0: All right. So good job, John. You get a $25 gift certificate from our lovely sponsor, Cool Stuff, Inc., I guess we'll, we'll move on. There's a couple of different things to talk about as our topic of the week, just kind of a smattering of a few different topics. Uh, the first thing I want to go over is what are people building in Commander, because we've alluded to uh, Ishin Shorokai, Goshintai, and Hanada uh, in the course of the cast, but I want to just review what the top 10 is currently. Ishin is the most built Commander of the Week. So, 933 decks. Shorokai Genesis Engine is second at 908 decks. Goshintai of Life's Origin, a close third at 812. And then Yuriko and Satoru Umozawa are fourth and fifth, respectively, which means that ninja decks combined are closer to uh, uh, 7 plus, 1300 decks. So, you can make the argument that the most the specs that are most likely to pay off are probably the ninja ones, because as I as I predicted earlier in the season, Satoru coming to the forefront and working well with Yuriko and then working in each other's decks makes a lot of the same cards useful. Um, so that's definitely worth considering. And then we've got Hanada, the Dawn Crowned, coming in at sixth with uh, just under 600 decks. Tatsunari Toad Rider in seventh at 452. Prosper Tomebound still hanging out in the top 10 with 452. Lightpaw's Emperor's Voice, another new commander from Neon Dynasty in 9th at 392. And then Sithis Harvest Hand with 357, combining with Goshintai's to be about 1,100 total for the enchantment-focused decks. So ninjas and enchantments, not surprised to see that dominating our fast movers list for the last couple weeks.
1: I mean, uh, I like that The ninja decks include two really different uh, builds. Like, Yuriko is going to be like, you want ninjas. You want lots of ninjas. Whereas Satoru is just like, what is the baddest, beefiest thing I can get to hit you in the face for two and a blue? For two, a black and a blue. That's why Blightsteel Colossus has gone crazy lately, right?
0: Well, I mean, you want tons of ninjas in Umazawa, too. Because every time you use ninjutsu, you look at the top three cards and put one in your hand.
1: I know that that's neat, but I'm looking for. I see what you're saying. Yes,
0: I I, I had him in draft last night. It <laughs> was doing some very disgusting things, like ninjitsuing three times in the same combat step.
1: I don't know how you were getting that much mana, but I'm jealous appropriately.
0: There's a bunch of ninjas that only cost one or two. You got six mana out. You can take that two four and bounce it three times. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, and the and the and the two one for one. The ninjutsu's for one that draws a card and either discard and, and doesn't discard if it just came into play. You can, you can if you have two of those in hand, you can cycle through those real well. So, anyway, Satoru, Umazawa, and Yuriko have plenty of overlap because even in Yuriko, you might want a Blightsteel Colossal on the top uh, because each opponent loses life equal to the card's converted mana cost. So you do want to have some big pricey stuff in there too that tends to be the same kind of stuff and you're just going to end up cheating it into play or you're going to resurrect it or whatever, depending on what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, these are these these decks are doing very well and I don't think that this list is going to get shaken up too much until we get to um, reveals for new Capenna. So the, this is probably where things are going to sit for the next eight weeks or so.
1: It's really notable that people are building um, the the Shorokai uh, at like four times the rate of the pilot. I thought Katori would be a little bit higher on this list, but uh, this week that is that is not the
0: case. We are at... So Nuka Pena releases April 29th, that means we'll have preview season probably starting April 1st. Uh, and that's a, it's a, that's a month. So we got a clean month for people to revel in Neon Dynasty. And then I assume we're going to be on the streets of New Cabena. Um The other big news this week, I guess it was circulating around in our circles, was that TCG Player put a spotlight on their new uh, card uh, condition guide. That is supposed to both inform buyers what they can expect at various uh, conditions like near mint and and uh, played, heavily played, majorly played, etc. And also inform sellers as to how they should be rating the condition of the various cards they're selling. Now, according to the, the very experienced TCG vendors uh, in our group, those pro traders have said, you know, this guide doesn't really change much like this seems very similar to how they've been you know grading my direct inventory when i send it in etc um but it does draw a spotlight onto the guide and codify i think for the community around tcg player what the the expectations are going to be and the and the the sets the expectations in terms of what tcg player will do if you as the buyer or the seller have a grading issue that comes up. The only thing that really jumped out at me that seemed problematic was that I feel like their definition of near mint is too loose. In what sense? It lists a bunch of things that could be wrong with the card. And if you dig deeper in the guide, it gives you a, a slightly better sense of how many of those things can be wrong with the card simultaneously, and it still stays near mint. But I, I think that the expectation of near Mint for most people is that it has like at most one very minor flaw, a little bit of whitening on the edges, a lit if it's a foil, maybe a little bit of clouding on the foil, very, very minor. But they had things like a slight bend was on their list. And to me, that could never be near mint. And if you have like a chip, like a, a decent chip out of the edge, that's not near mint either. So I think I think there is some room for confusion. Ultimately, it doesn't really affect me because most of what I order on TCG Player is new stuff and tends to be fresh from a crack job and it is absolutely near mint. And given that I mostly sell on eBay, <laughs> any confusion that would brew on that platform or lack of trust that might circulate would could only benefit me. So I don't have any problem with it per se, but I, do, I am curious whether whether their current definitions are going to be beneficial to the community at large
1: i think the the main thing they're trying to do is just like standardize it because there's if, if we could get you know it, it's a, a an eternally subjective process there's never going to be like a for sure like solid oh my god this is absolutely how it goes kind of thing but if we can get a clear idea from all of us, from everyone who sells that this is what the, you can have this and still be near mint. Cause I've had a couple of experiences on TCG where they're like, no, this is too cloudy or uh, this is not near mint according to how I want it to be. And it, it can be very frustrating. So um, TCG's had a, uh, I don't know if you noticed the spoiler, the disclaimer, I should say, um, that says you know the foiling you get might be slightly different from what you're expecting if you're ordering draft boosters or whatnot. But um, I think they're just trying to make it easier for them to say no, this is near mint because you're allowed to have one thing wrong. And I think there's a a lot of people, well, there's a enough people. I shouldn't say a lot. But there's enough who will argue that near mint is supposed to be absolutely flawless and that's that's been an experience i've had is that they want near mint to be you know gem mint 10
0: i, I think that any got gu- any condition guide that leans towards a longer list of potential problems at near mint but, which i think for every from every for most people would agree is the default standard It's a card that's not perfect. It's not gem mint 10, but whatever is wrong with it is extremely minor. Like a little bit of whitening on the edges would be the most common thing. Uh, If you expand it to be a larger spot of whitening, I think that that's LP, and I think that they seem to be suggesting that they're going to support a seller who says that no, that's near mint. That's going to push the very, you know, the people that are after gradable cards away from the platform if it's enforced like that in practice because one does not automatically equal the other you can have this guide looks reasonable it will probably be implemented reasonably but because it there are humans ultimately making these judgment calls depending on who you get in customer service to review your given case file you're probably going to get different results it might even depend on how the kind of day they're having you know what i'm saying so I, I would if I was doing this, my only clear suggestion is if I was doing this, I would just have a big photo essay page. Like I wouldn't have right. published this PDF guide. I just would have I would have a page that shows these cards with very detailed zoom inable photos, these are near mint cards. These are all the different things that could be near mint. Probably gonna have 20 cards per grading level. And some and then you accompany that with your written descriptions of what they're looking at. You know, this one has a little bit of whitening. This has extremely minor clouding, and we mean extremely minor. At LP, you have, here's a bunch of LP cards, here's a bunch of MP, here's HP, here's damaged. And supplement the written guide, which I think is... I think the problem with using words to describe this stuff is it's still open to interpretation. You have to show people an equivalent so that if there's a card that you know ends up with a problem, the seller sends it out, they say it's near mint, the buyer says it's not you need something to compare it back to. If it looks like a card in the list, you can say, Hey, look, see, I took a picture. It looks just like that. And you said it was near mint, but this is quite clearly LP by their own definition. I think you're in better shape, but ultimately I don't, I think it's kind of much ado about nothing. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal either way. If it ends up being, it's not that hard for them to adjust.
1: I think so too. I think that um, this was probably something that was used in their training materials and they decided, you know, they needed to make this uh, its own thing. They needed to make sure that people weren't... Um, what's the word I want? Uh, that, that it was being used in the appropriate way. You know, because they, they, they teach their, uh, their graders how to do it, and now they're trying to make sure everybody um, has that going on.
0: All right, easy breezy wrap. Where can people find you online, Cliff?
1: People can find me online uh, at, on Twitter at Word of Commander, as well as my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com.
0: You all can find me on Twitter at Critic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the pro trader. Uh, discord also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year you can get early access to this podcast fantastic articles by the best mgg finance minds in the business low-cost group buys and a super active discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing magic the gathering should also point out there is a $7.99 monthly option that doesn't include access to group buys which is even better value if you don't need the product
1: I mean that that's also a great way to do it. Uh once again MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc, where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Please make sure to use the promo code FINANCE with a number 5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast.
0: That brings us to the end of MTG Fast Finance podcast number 113. Really enjoyed our discussion today, Cliff. Thank you, thank you, and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.